0: A start On demand. On demand.
1: We had some extremely important conversations this morning regarding the fallout of the findings of an independent report into alleged sexual abuse by a Chicago Blackhawks staff member over a decade ago. We spoke with hockey analyst Leah Hextall. She is fired up. And we got reaction from sexual assault survivor Greg Gil-Hooley, is a former hockey player and now a lawyer. Did you know asbestos is the number one killer in the workplace? We speak to the chief operating officer of Safe Work Manitoba, who has an important message. And we had some fun today talking about pumpkin carving adventures. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, October 27th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on the start. But I think we have to start with the troubling news, GMAC, that uh, has come out of Chicago as it pertains to
0: the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks uh, organization. Uh, yesterday, a major shakeup there uh, right from the top. Stan Bowman, their general manager, stepping down as uh, revelations, or a 107-page report, came down on what happened back in 2010, uh, one of the years the Chicago Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup, and what happened within that organization when allegations of sexual assault emerged. How did that organization handle those allegations? The individual who was accused of these assaults, uh how was that person treated? How timely did they act, or as the report would suggest Loren not act and there of course is some potential dramatically, potentially uh, fallout for the Winnipeg Jets. Kevin Shoveldayoff, who was assistant general manager of the Blackhawks at the time, has a meeting. We don't have a date, time, or place yet, but he will be having a meeting with the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman, about what he knew, his role in this, and also what does it mean for the future of Shoveldayoff uh, in the National Hockey League?
2: Lots of questions going to be asked today and in the days and weeks ahead about this one, of course, you mentioned that this goes back to 2010, but it's taken 11 years for this independent review to be conducted into the two, which is really a response to two lawsuits that were filed against the Blackhawks, uh, alleging sexual assault by the then assistant coach. And you talk about what was or wasn't known. And the report revealed that there appeared to have been this meeting that took place in the lead up to the Stanley Cup run in 2010, where several members of the organization were made aware of the accusations and what's deeply concerning is the fact that the team didn't respond in a timely manner. They actually called it a response, the failure of the club to follow up and address the 2010 incident in a timely matter. So who was at that meeting? What did they know? What did they do with that information? What was done about it? What's since been said about what people did or did not know and what have we learned now? And so there's lots going on with this one. We're going to talk about it again and about, Oh, seven minutes time, Brett, but we also have Leah Hextall joining us at 737. That's for our weekly Jets update, but she tweeted something last night that really struck with me because I was feeling the exact same way. Of course, the Jets played last night in Anaheim, and she tweeted that it's actually really hard to watch hockey at this moment, really hard to watch it just as a game, given what we learned about this incident and also how people are feeling about what it might say about the hockey culture in general, about how this survivor was treated and, and by not just the organization, but teammates and all the rest. And so lots of questions out of that one.
1: So we'll also have more at 8.35
0: as well. Greg, who are we talking to there? Greg Galuli. he is a lawyer. He is a former uh, college-level goaltender. He's from Winnipeg. He is also a sexual assault survivor. He had plenty to say about these revelations on social media yesterday. Greg has been joining us for years around stories like this. And we will welcome him, as you mentioned, uh, Brett, at 8.37.
1: And uh, again, we'll have more on this story in our next segment. Also today at 8.07, we're going to talk about something that I think caught us all off guard yesterday. We were just in one of our commercials, Lorena, and it has to do with asbestos.
2: Yeah, and I I immediately said to the people behind this when I was setting up this interview at 8 o'clock, like, I just sort of felt, huh? And it was an inter it was a sorry, a commercial about asbestos and about the idea that it's the number one workplace killer in Manitoba. And when you go looking, it's pretty much the number one workplace cause of deaths in the workplace in every province in this country that asbestos, something that you know we basically were working to do away with in the seventies, is still causing so much grief in the workplace. So they've put out this ad just to make people aware. And it made me aware. So it worked. I will say that about the ad, but I've got more questions about what we're talking about there when it comes to asbestos. And also we've known for a long time, it's bad. If it's still killing people, then is that just the long-term effects of working in a place from years ago or are build, buildings still working to rid their workplace of that material? There, I, I, she. The number I received is that there's 3,000 different kinds of building materials that were used prior to 1990 that could contain Asbestos, And so that's a lot of stuff to work through. And it was a commercial that I thought deserved a bit more explanation. So we'll get into that with uh, Safe Work Manitoba after 8.
1: Mackling McGarry and McNabb as the Winnipeg Jets were preparing for the first of three games in California this week. The NHL and Chicago Blackhawks reacted to an independent report from Chicago law firm Jenner & Block regarding sexual assault allegations and the lack of action taken by the Chicago Blackhawks hockey team during their run to the Stanley Cup in 2010. Host of the CJOB Sports Show, Christian O'Mell, has this look at what happened yesterday.
3: Chicago Blackhawks General Manager Stan Bowman has resigned after an investigation found he was among a group of leaders who failed to respond promptly to allegations that an assistant coach sexually assaulted a player in 2010. An outside law firm commissioned to investigate the club published its findings today in a 107-page report that paints a clear picture of a culture that prioritized winning over everything else. At the center of the investigation is a meeting of executives, none of whom are now with the club, May 23, 2010, during which the allegations surfaced that video coach Brad Aldrich sexually assaulted a player. According to the report, the decision was made that the focus should be on the Stanley Cup final and that other club personnel would handle the situation, which did not happen. The result says no action was taken until three weeks later, and in the interim there was another allegation of unwanted sexual advances to a team intern. After the cup final, Aldrich was allowed to resign. His name still on the Stanley Cup, he still participated in clubs, celebrations, and of note, the report says Winnipeg Jets GM Kevin Sheveldayoff, then assistant GM with the Hawks, was in that May meeting. It contradicts the statement he made this summer that he only learned of the allegations just prior to Aldridge's departure from the team.
2: So we want to hit pause there just for a second on Christian's report because we want to share with you that statement that he referred to from Winnipeg Jets GM Kevin Sheveldayoff back on July 22nd. So just three months ago, Sheveldayoff said, quote, I had no knowledge of any allegations involving Mr. Aldrich until asked if I was aware of anything just prior to the conclusion of his employment with the Chicago Blackhawks. As this is a legal matter before the courts, I will not be making any further comment. However, to the extent I am contacted by investigators in this matter, I will cooperate to the best of my ability and knowledge. That's the statement from Shephel Dayoff. Christian picks it up from there.
3: Now, in a statement today, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman said he will have personal meetings with Chevy as well as now Florida coach Joel Quenville, who was the Hawks coach then, to, quote, discuss their roles in the relevant events as detailed in the report. I will reserve judgment on next steps, if any, with respect to them, close quote.
1: At 6.45 last evening, the Winnipeg Jets sent out a written statement from Dayoff that reads... I have shared everything I know about this matter as part of my participation in Jenner and Block's investigation. That is reflected in today's investigation report. Further, I look forward to my discussion with Commissioner Bettman at the soonest possible date to continue to cooperate fully with the National Hockey League. I will reserve any further comment until after that conversation has been conducted.
0: So some of the other fallout here. Now former GM of the Blackhawks, Stan Bowman, also stepped down as the general manager of Team USA ahead of the Olympics in Beijing next February. And the head coach of the Florida Panthers, Joel Quenville, was coach in Chicago at the time of these incidents. Quenville released a statement July 13th which said, The allegations in this lawsuit are clearly serious. I first learned of these allegations through the media earlier this summer. That statement is contradicted in the report released yesterday. In fact, the report casts an even longer shadow on Quenville's statement from this past summer, saying when Quenville was made aware of the allegations against Aldrich at the May 23rd, 2010 high-level meeting, his response was that the team had worked hard to get this far in the postseason and that they, quote, could not handle this right now. As mentioned, Quenville and Shovel Dayov will meet with NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman to plain and simply discuss this report's findings and where the two are concerned, their respective futures in the National Hockey League, Loren.
2: So we don't know when that meeting is going to take place. And so we'll wait to see if there's a date for that set. Maybe we'll learn more today. In the meantime, at 7.35, we are going to talk with Leah Hextall about this. As I mentioned just a few minutes ago, she had tweeted last night, it's hard to watch hockey given all that we learned behind the scenes of the game yesterday. And then at 8.37, of course, we will speak to former U.S. college hockey goalie and sex assault survivor Greg Gilhulli. He's going to talk to us about the culture that exists within the game, which allows something like this to essentially go on untalked about, but ignored for, for a decade. Really just so many details emerging 10 years, 11 years really after the fact. And, and also a lot of people just talking about the idea of, of the pervasiveness of this and what is known and how we deal with things when we learn about them, whether it's in a locker room or in the workplace.
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're talking holiday parties in a moment, but I would like to direct you to 680CJOB's Instagram page, where you can see the video that Greg and I put together of us smashing a pumpkin for Carving for a Cause with Kildonan Place. We are supporting St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. We went to Peanut Park on Monday, and decided to smash, just like we did last year. Last year, you went into the parkade and chucked it into the bin, right, GMAC?
0: That's right, from about three or four floors up. Uh, I can't believe I hit the bin, Yeah, uh, first and foremost. That was, uh, that was a surprise to, uh, I think, both of us. And then, yeah, this past week, we just thought, you know what? We are not artistes. <laughs> we don't have any skills on the pumpkin carving front, so we thought, you know what? If you can't join them, beat them. So we beat the hell out of the pumpkin. <laughs> so, Loren, uh, I know earlier this
1: week somebody suggested there's a, there's a pumpkin catapult in uh, the Steinbeck area. Uh, so next year, I think we might – all three of us should look into that because I think Road that, trip. Yeah. That, that should be our thing. Smash pumpkins. We can't carve them, so let's just smash them.
2: Well, let's, let's be honest. I mean, what are you doing with the pumpkin after it's carved anyway? Let, once you get past Sunday – What are you doing with that pumpkin? Don't pretend you don't go out and smash it yourself off your front step. Or, you know, at least have a little destroy thing going on. They don't live forever like that. They got to die.
1: So in our next segment, we're going to talk about pumpkin carvings. But again, go to 680CJOB's Instagram, have a look at the video, and then head to Kildon and Place's Facebook page to... Vote for us, and in doing so, support St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. We've also, I also put up the pictures of our friends, uh, part of our global Winnipeg and Power ninety seven family. Gabrielle, Marshawn, and Amy Ellen. They uh, did a little Baby Yoda pumpkin. You can see that. Marnie Blunt. uh, She carved a pumpkin. She brings in the ringer. She takes a picture with her horse. Like of course she's going to get a ton of votes Mm -hmm. for that. And horse, of course. course.
2: How does she bring in the horse? It's just in the photo. I didn't do a zoom on that one because the horse might eat that pumpkin that would have been funnier.
1: <laughs> That would be cool uh jay richardson from power he and his family put uh, they carved some pumpkins and uh lisa dutton also uh did one as well so you can see all those pictures on our instagram and i'll put some stuff up on twitter as well as we go through the morning here but right now we want to ask you the question is your office or workplace having a holiday party this year. We, like most of you, did not have our annual get-together in 2020, and it looks like we're not doing anything this year either.
0: Mm, that's sad. But as we work our way out of this fourth wave, many workplaces have decided to go ahead with some sort of party. As Global's Merrick Cash explains, bookings are being made, although they're still way behind what restaurants would normally be seeing by this time of the year some downtown restaurants told global news bookings for christmas parties have been slow but they're
4: hoping to see a rise in interest over the next few weeks chuck davidson the president of the manitoba chambers of commerce says he expects businesses to explore the opportunity of hosting a christmas party there are opportunities for
5: businesses and for, for organizations to do that safely And I think they will try to take advantage of that if they have the opportunity
4: to bring their staff together. Davidson says many Winnipeg businesses have already returned to the office and that should increase the amount of office Christmas parties held this winter. Merrick DeCache, Global News.
2: Yeah, it's such an interesting question because there's also so many office spaces that haven't brought their staff fully back. And so if your staff isn't all working together, you're not going to be able to make an argument that you can all get together for a party. Then you throw in the vaccine question, and for sure, you know, we're inching towards like, you know, high 80s, low 90%, at least in Winnipeg, of people vaccinated. But you'd still have to be within the vaccine requirements for indoor get-together. So that might make some employers stressed about maybe division, I guess, that would create this time of year around a holiday, and then some people not allowed to go. And then I think there's that even bigger question, like, do you miss? Do you, did you miss it last year, not having that workplace get-together? Yes. Like, you certainly miss personal gatherings and being with family and friends there might be some people that say I I didn't really enjoy the workplace party anyway I missed it and I'm gonna miss it this year more than ever if there isn't one because it's been so long to just see everyone we've got an entire people I that are new that I do not know what they look like
0: that's a really good point so next year's will be really awesome that's the way I'm looking at it, because it'll be two years plus uh, since you've seen many people by next year. There might have been people who got hired and and moved on to different places by the time we get around to having a holiday party. But, Brett, uh, I mentioned to you, you know, Labor Day weekend, uh, the Blue Bombers play in Regina, and I've done some extensive renovations to my backyard, and I love to have people over, I've been dying to have uh folks from the radio station and from global television over to the to to Casa de Macling for a, a little bit of a margarita party and we were going to do that and watch the blue bomber game and I said hold on hold the hold the phone how can you invite all the people from your workplace most of which you're not allowed to work with or be in the same room as right. over to your house so I put the kibosh on that uh, based on the fact that our workplace has done such a tremendous job and been so committed to keeping us healthy and safe. I couldn't possibly uh, go ahead with an event like that.
1: And uh, we also had that suggestion from Wade Miller from the Winnipeg Football Club. Hey, if, you have a, if you're looking for a place to have a party, have it at the Western Final on December 5th. And of course, we got some good news on uh, that front yesterday. Wade told us yesterday, stay tuned, and it took all of what, six hours? Yep. Yep. For the Winnipeg Jets to bump their game back to a seven o'clock start on the 5th. So that'll give those wanting to attend both uh, events a chance to get to that Jets game. But our question, or yeah, from the Bomber game to the Jets game. But the question of the day for credit aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992, visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. How are you feeling about Halloween parties this year? Or Christmas parties, for that matter. And at CJOB.com, we've got 48% who say not ready to go to parties yet. 29%, I'd only go to a party if everyone there is fully vaxxed. And 23% say, bring them on, let's party! So you can cast your vote, CJOB.com. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Paul Edmonds, Jets report coming up at 6.55. Right now, we want to talk about pumpkins. We mentioned that Greg and I took part in the Kildonan Place Carving for a Cause contest. We're supporting St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. You go to their Facebook page and vote for us or like the the picture, and St. Boniface Hospital Foundation gets some monetary support. We can't carve pumpkins to save our lives, so we just smashed ours, Uh, and that was more fun anyway. But... I think we might all have a story about carving pumpkins, or maybe you've got a favourite spot you like to go to get the pumpkins. So tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win two tickets to celebrations, dinners, theatres, production of Night at the Museum of Rock Stars. Loren, why don't we start with you?
2: Well, I have only once had a super successful pumpkin, and I, it comes up in my social media feed every year and I think oh those were the days and I figured out how to do like the carving where you're not just cutting right into the pumpkin with holes but you can have different layers of it so it glows really cool yeah and I made this spider-man face with it because the kids were really into that back then and ever since then I have not been able to repeat it to the point of frustration that I basically do what you guys just did and like jam holes into the pumpkin and call it like you know Scarface or ugly face or whatever but it doesn't look like (laughs) anything bottom line what I learned though every single year I made the mistake, you carve the pumpkin too early, what happens to that pumpkin? It rots. Mm. So the key is to carve it too early, and then it really does turn into something. It's like a, you teach the kids, it'll become a wonder every single day. You don't know what you're going to get when you come home, because science it slowly project. melts into the cement. So I now just do them really early, and then you have this sort of science project at the end, like you said, Greg. <laughs> just, don't, don't, just a rotten pumpkin, is my, my point. Help me I've I only. Melt. Exactly. There it is. I
0: find its face always caves in, too.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. 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 I watched a pumpkin, like, I came home once and the pumpkin was sitting outside. I guess it was a week after Halloween. And, and I took one step onto the deck and then the pumpkin essentially just melted in front of me. <laughs> it was like it, may, it waited until I got home and then it and then it gave up the ghost.
0: Portress, what about you? Well, I remember my, uh, my grandpa Ken always uh, during Thanksgiving we'd head out over there out of out to Traverse Bay and uh And he would always buy, I don't know how many pumpkins. There was lots of kids there, like 20, 25 pumpkins. And it was something that we did every single Thanksgiving. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, we would all, you know, get around the table and we'd we'd carve pumpkins. And I never really did anything spectacular. I always went for like the classic triangle eyes, the two teeth sticking out at the bottom in the mouth and the other triangular nose. I never really tried to do anything crazy, but it was always a nice memory. And you know what? Uh, Pumpkin guts still kind of grossed me out, but it was always fun to get my... You know, to get your hands dirty. So it, just a real nice memory for me that I'll, you know, all, for over the years. And it was always nice.
1: Macklin, you hate the pumpkin guts, don't you?
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. There, there's not much else for me to say on this topic other than I really don't enjoy getting down and dirty with the pumpkin. It's just it's yeah. just not my thing. What? And I like to squish them. I like the. To... Oh, here we go. <laughs> it's gross, but it's fun. Yeah. It's Halloween. It brings me back to being a kid.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: nothing nothing okay
0: silence go ahead for a <laughs> silencio Con- continue well, on no, your people. on your tangent on your on your declaration here because you're not selling me I'm 52 you, you ain't you ain't selling me on this I'm not going back <laughs> Well trust me, if you see any o lantern that I make you, you
4: ain't going to be happy with it it looks exactly the same as cams you know I got the two triangle eyes uh no nose so I I never even thought about a nose I do do the two teeth on the top of the lip and the one at the bottom. and yeah. uh, Except sometimes, you know, you have a few wobbly pops and you accidentally <laughs> cut off one of the teeth and it doesn't look nearly as good. And all my friends, they're making these great jack-o'-lanterns and mine sucks. But, you know, I just I, I try getting through it as fast as I can just so I can sit there and drink but my beer.
2: When did it go past the triangle eyes, though? This is a serious question. I feel like it was oh. just in the last few years that suddenly it became this art thing you had to do. And it's like, what, what, when did it go from two triangle eyes to? I think it was Star Wars characters carved (laughs) into the pumpkin. Like, I don't get it.
0: I think it was the invention of the Dremel tool what's,
2: what's that yeah. it's a,
0: like a rotary blade and you can add all these different fine uh different yeah. tips on the dremel and i think it allows you to get incredibly artistic with them i've had some uh my neighbors a few years ago had a couple naughty pumpkins uh, in shadow you had to look really close but it was uh they were uh, very uh, sexually suggestive
1: oh, we've got 60 seconds let's get jeff braun in here
4: Oh, I, I'm with Greg I don't like touching the guts of those things and I have just no artistic uh, bone in my body like the triangle eyes are beyond me I can't <laughs> even get that right it's just, just like messy circles is what and when I try to do triangle eyes and I just I hate carving pumpkins I would I did it I think two or three times and then I told my parents I was like you know what the rest of your family you guys can do this I'm just gonna go sit on the couch and watch tv
2: yeah.
1: Mackling McGarry and McNabb, the mayor, joins us in our next segment, segment, Mayor Brian Bowman. Looking forward to our monthly visit with Mr. Bowman. But right now, we want to get right into this. It's our weekly Jets chat in this time slot, but going to be a little bit different today because the National Hockey League is facing serious questions about its culture as it deals with the fallout of yesterday's release of a 107-page independent report about the conduct within the top levels of one of its most storied franchises.
2: Yeah, so Stan Bowman has resigned as General Manager of the Chicago Blackhawks following the release of the findings of this investigation into allegations an assistant coach sexually assaulted a player in 2010. Here's the statement. 11 years ago, while serving in my first year as general manager, I was made aware of potential inappropriate behavior by a then-video coach involving a player. I promptly reported the matter to the then-president and CEO who committed to handling the matter. Bowman goes on to say, I learned this year that the inappropriate behavior involved a serious allegation of sexual assault. I relied on the direction of my superior. He would take appropriate action looking back, now, knowing he did not handle that matter properly, I regret assuming he would do so.
0: Chicago law firm Jenner and Block were hired to conduct what they called an independent review in response to two lawsuits filed against the franchise, one alleging sexual assault by then-assistant coach Brad Aldrich uh, during the Team Stanley Cup run in 2010, and another filed by a former student whom Aldrich was convicted of assaulting in Michigan, former federal prosecutor Reed Shar. Of who uh, ran the investigation said Tuesday that Bowman, former team president John McDonough, hockey operations executive Al McIsaac and former executive vice president Jay Blunk and then assistant general manager Kevin Sheveldayov met with then coach Joel Quenville and mental skills coach Jim Gary to discuss the allegations in May 2010. All that brings us to this. One name jumps off the page for the people of Manitoba, general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Shoveldayoff. Leah Hextall joins us now. And Leah, I know you have read every page of this report at least once. Your reaction to it?
6: <laughs> is that it's very tough. Is that if you take the time to read that report, it is triggering. And you can't believe that a complete institutional breakdown such as this can occur in our game, a game that we love in a situation that was completely mishandled. And what really stands out to me is that the assistant general manager at the time, Kevin Sheveldayoff, knew. And this is from his own words in the report. Chevaldeoff recalled that the group was told that there were allegations that Aldridge was socializing with players outside the arena, that he sent inappropriate texts to players, and that he made unwanted advances on the players, And Sheveldayoff believed at the time that these were serious allegations. And he remembered someone in this meeting during the playoffs in 2010, he believed it was during the Philadelphia series, the Stanley Cup final, that someone said that there should be an investigation. But there was no investigation. And no one from senior management in the Blackhawks did anything about this. And Aldrich was allowed to go on and sexually assault a Blackhawks intern, a 22-year-old male, and then go to his hometown in Michigan, and assault a high school student in which he has pled guilty to a misdemeanor sexual conduct and is now on the Michigan Sex Offender Registry. So because of the lack of inaction, a predator was allowed to continue to pray. And what we know from this report is that Kevin Shovel Dayoff knew. So the question now is, what happens to the Winnipeg Jets general manager?
1: We know that Kevin Cheveldayoff is going to meet with Gary Bettman. We don't know when as of this moment. What should we expect to come out of that?
6: Well, Greg, this is what the commissioner can do. He can suspend Sheveldayoff, and he can even ban Sheveldayoff. It's important to know that with Almak Isaac and Stan Bowman, that if they want to take another NHL job, they have to get permission from the commissioner to do so. They are not going to be allowed just to take a job because some team down the road when this perhaps isn't as high level as it is now, decides, okay, we'll let them back in because that's what we do in the hockey culture. No, they got to get permission. So we will see what happens with the meeting with Kevin Sheveldayoff and the commissioner and also with Joel Quenville, who is in Florida. But I'm going to put it this way. In 2011, when Kevin Sheveldayoff was hired by the Winnipeg Jets, he was coming off a 2010 Stanley Cup win with the Chicago Blackhawks, which bolstered his resume. With what we found out in the report yesterday, if Mark Chipman in 2011 had that report and everything that is in it, would he have hired Kevin Shoveldayoff to be his GM of the new franchise? I don't believe there is any way he could have. He wouldn't have even been able to interview him. So here we are 10 years later, but the report is the report. The facts do not change. The investigation has found out what it found out. If Kevin Shoveldayoff was a member of the Chicago Blackhawks organization yesterday, he would have stepped aside. Mark Chipman wouldn't have hired him in 2011 if he knew this. So, how is there, no matter what happens with the commissioner, how is there any other option here in Winnipeg than for the general manager and Kevin Chevaldeos to not step aside? The actions and the lack of action does not change. The facts do not change now. We know. And now that we know that he knew statement in July, there are some contradictions there. And I was very disappointed in the statement yesterday because at this time, whether there's legal actions going on or not, Chicago ownership came out yesterday and said they failed that player. Where in Joel Crenville and Kevin Sheveldayoff's statement could they have not had said that the player was failed, that their lack of action they regret? Just that simplicity.
2: Because yeah, I tell re- you
6: something... Sorry, go ahead, Lorraine. I was just
2: going to reference the statement, the two statements you talked about, Shovel Dayoff, back in July. He said, I had no knowledge of any allegations involving Mr. Aldrich until asked if I was aware of anything just prior to the conclusion of his employment with the Blackhawks. That's what he said in July. And then, of course, last night in a statement, he said that, um, uh, that he was going to, that he, so he's, apologies, I'm just looking for the statement now that he looked, that he's talking, he talked to, he took part in the investigation and that he played, um, with the report, and he worked with them to give his response, and he was going to have no further comment, you know, that his, I, I apologize, I'm looking through a script. He said, I have shared everything I know about this matter as part of my participation in Jenner and Block's investigation. Further, I look forward to my discussion with Batman. I will reserve any further comment until that conversation has been conducted. So those are two different statements there. My um, apologies for bungling that, but you used a term that's important to me, which is hockey culture, and that this can't get swept under the rug again. It can't,
6: and it's been swept under the rug for 10 years. I think we have to realize that, is that all of these gentlemen, all the pieces of senior management, they've all known about this for a decade. and They haven't come forward with it that we know of. Nothing has shown us that that has happened. This investigation clearly shows us that that did not occur. So for 10 years, there has been a player who has been living with this trauma. And for anyone who has never experienced sexual harassment, but I can tell you, even from my own personal experience as a woman in a male-dominated industry, early in my career, I'd go on job interviews and I would be propositioned by the executive who had the power to hire me. I'd be on the road and a man in power or in a more powerful position than me would have too much to drink and start saying inappropriate things to me or touching me inappropriately to the point where another executive would call you and say, I heard this might've happened, are you okay? And you just sit there and say, yes, I'm fine. Because you know if you say something, you're gonna be blacklisted. You're never going to work again. So here's this player whose dream is making the NHL, and no matter what his skill set was as a black ace, he's being told by his video coach, someone he should trust, that I can make you better. We can watch video together. I have a direct pipeline to Joel Cranville. I can help you. And then he sexually harasses him, allegedly. And I'd like us to drop that word, because quite frankly, when we see what Aldrich has done, and now that he is actually pled guilty to his sexual misdemeanor, the fact is, is that, Then after he does it, he threatens them and says, I can ruin your career. And that is exactly what people do. That is exactly what a predator does. And they failed this young man. They failed the Black House intern. They failed this high school student. And for those who say people make mistakes, yes, people do make mistakes. But they have kept this mistake for a decade, and they have been okay with that. And they knew.
1: Leah Hextall will have to leave it there, but thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate the time.
6: Thank you, everyone.
0: The Mayor of Winnipeg, Brian Bowman, joins us now. Mayor Bowman, you're getting the Peter Warren treatment this morning. Right down to business here. We've been speaking to fire and city officials about vacant buildings. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you may have heard the reports on our radio station. The growing number of fires being set inside vacant buildings and occurring. And the growing number of vacant buildings, period, in our city has is, is got to be a concern. Now, we know there's this uh, 1% fee that owners pay on the property's most recent assessment uh, value as uh, a building sits empty. But can we force these owners to do more, charge them more, or maybe, maybe, maybe more importantly, in my mind, create tighter deadlines for action to redevelop these properties?
5: Yeah, I mean, we've been working with the uh, Winnipeg Fire and Paramedic Service, and and good morning to all of you, by the way. <laughs> um, we've been working with uh, with the Winnipeg Fire and Paramedic Service on their their overarching strategies. But um, in addition to to that work and some of the questions that you've raised, um, we're always trying to just make sure we're we're dealing with some of the root causes of crime. If, if of course some of these are being criminally set.
2: With with that in mind, then you know, can we? change the rules? What conversations are taking place? I know it was just a few years ago that that 1% fee was introduced, but people are saying to us this morning, okay, but can we say to the owner, if the building sets longer, empty longer than, no, three months, six months, one year, you either have to take action to redevelop it or take better care of it, or it's it's gone, we demolish it. Is that something that can be done feasibly?
5: Yeah, I mean, look, all options will continue to be on the table for, for dealing with this. Our, our property and development committee, of course, uh, is, is always looking at things like this. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll continue to keep all options open. And and certainly um, when the committee does work, we'll, we'll go from there.
1: Now, this issue can often go hand in hand with the homeless issue. People looking to stay warm in the colder months might end up inside some of these vacant buildings. But for those trying to find a way to stay warm, fires and encampments under bridges have also been banned. So, I mean, where can they go? What are we doing about this?
5: Well, that's a great question. And so, I mean, one of the best ways to combat um, homelessness is homes. For people, and so we were the first level of government to begin supporting the and uh, homelessness Winnipeg um, uh, entity and, and strategic plan. Um, that's something we continue to do, and we've had great dialogue with the new executive director of and Homelessness Winnipeg as recent as last week. The other thing that we we lobbied for at the federal level was was dollars, and and the federal government has delivered uh, you know tens of millions of dollars for the rapid housing initiative, which is being deployed right now. So that's one way in which we deal with kind of that, the broader spectrum of housing needs in our community. Uh, the rapid housing initiative is, is one of those ways, um, as well as just working with our partner agencies. So, you know, we're finding things like the the mobile outreach. Uh, we're working on the Bloomberg Harvard initiative, which is is trying to make sure that we're deploying in our community with multiple stakeholders across various levels of government making sure that we've got the, you know, the right resources deployed by the right agency at the right time. So we're using the resources of our, our community as a whole, you know, regardless of whether it's provincial or, or city or, or third-party stakeholders to connect people with the resources that they need. And and that's something that uh, that work is 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 incredibly important and it's ongoing.
0: Mayor Bowman, sometimes we have uh, con- conflicting Uh, reasons for being interested in an issue. And if we can continue on the homeless piece and those suffering and dealing with a lack of shelter, you know, bus shelters all over the city are now becoming places of refuge for people without a home of their own. There are some people who are angry about that because it infringes on their ability to use that piece of infrastructure for themselves as they wait for the bus. Others are angry because it just highlights how serious this issue is. Where does it rank on your priority list? It's
5: pretty big. Um, And and you're right. And and I I hear and I, I share the frustration that is embedded in your question. And so, one of the reasons why we stepped up, I mean, look, the provincial is, is responsible for housing, healthcare, social services. Um, we obviously continue to, to work with them to do more, but there's still a role for the city of Winnipeg. And that's why we stepped up with funding for mobile outreach is one example of trying to connect people with, with shelters. And, of course, the, the, the challenge, of course, is where there are shelter spaces available, which we were advised uh, last week at our, at our committee, there are is trying to get people connected to those resources. And so you're dealing with, with complex needs in many cases. One of the things that I would say as a result of the pandemic is the visibility of some of the, the issues affecting some of our residents are much more visible. And so, um, you know, the concern that Winnipegers have about our fellow citizens is, is something that I, I can say council shares and is trying to do what we can within our within our jurisdiction and our resources to, to help the situation. And, and that work is ongoing as well.
1: Mayor Brian Bowman, thank you very much, sir. We always appreciate the time. Thank you,
5: guys. Have a great day.
1: We are giving away... Tickets for Celebrations Dinner Theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rock Stars, based on your text messages on carving pumpkins. And, Loren, good one
2: from Lee. Taking a page right out of my book, or maybe I'm taking one out of hers. Lee says, about 25 years ago, I made a ceramic jack-o'-lantern with a light in it. Thankfully, I've never had to carve a pumpkin Mm -hmm. again. I have one of those with the blue ones that are like denote that I'm in an allergy house. So if people are coming that they just know that we have a kid with a nut allergy, that's what the teal pumpkin represents. But I frankly leave it out there all year long.
1: And Just as far as these random pumpkin and the, 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 the skill that we've been talking about, how people are carving such ornate things into the pumpkins. Uh, I have a buddy who is a super good artist. He uses like scalpels and like exacto knives to carve. He once carved himself a Barocco lantern. He, Ooh. Carved, he carved Barack Obama into the face. And this, he was in the media challenge a few years ago, Greg, before us. So this is the kind of stuff that, this is why we smash the pumpkins. Yeah. Because yeah. we can't do that.
0: No, we're up against uh, true artists. Uh, we do not fall in that description uh, in any way, shape, or form.
1: So make sure you go to Kildonan Place Facebook page to vote on our smashed pumpkin. We've linked it to our 680CJOB Instagram where you can also watch a video of us smashing said pumpkin. It was Uh, Fun. It was a very difficult work assignment indeed. Uh, But right now we want to switch gears here and talk about how it is the leading cause of workplace deaths, which is why a brand new campaign is pleading with building owners to get the test. Why test for asbestos? Because before 1990, asbestos was commonly used in many homes and buildings. Because when asbestos fibers become airborne, they can get into the lungs and cause severe damage over time. Because asbestos is the number one cause of workplace deaths in Manitoba. Asbestos kills. It's best to test. Get the facts at safemanitoba.com.
2: So we first heard this commercial yesterday. It just aired for the first time this week and we kind of all reacted the same way with some surprise, Greg, that asbestos exposure is still causing so many problems. You just heard that ad say the cancer causing agent is common or was common in many building materials in the 1990s. We didn't really officially ban it as a country until 2018, and so that had us all asking some questions.
0: Well, with the amount of renovations I've done over the years, I've been aware of the presence of asbestos in some of the most odd places, and the materials that you might not expect it so uh to answer the question just how bad is the problem in the workplace jamie hall joins us jamie hall is the chief operating officer of safe work manitoba the group who put out the ad you just heard so jamie good morning thank you for this how bad is the problem i mean does does the ad really say it all
4: Yes, and and thank you so much for having me on to to talk about this. But yes, uh, it is surprising. You're not alone. Um, Most people are surprised to hear that asbestos still is an issue, but not only an issue. It is the number one cause of workplace fatalities in Manitoba and and across our nation even. So it is a serious issue. And the reason is, um, you know, all of those building materials, yes, they were used 30 plus years ago. But it's those buildings that were built in the '60s and the '70s now that we are tearing down or renovating, and it's that asbestos that was used that that may be safe if undisturbed. But the fact that uh, we're disturbing that asbestos now is causing it to be a uh, you know a significant concern, and you know as a result, re- uh, resulting in these these tragic deaths that are happening uh, every year in our province.
1: What are building owners and workplaces required to do when it comes to asbestos?
4: Well, um, it's really when it is being disturbed. So, first of all, building owners should know whether they have asbestos. And there is some uh, legislation around that about knowing that you have asbestos. And so that might be a first start, even if you're not planning renovations, to uh, to ask yourself uh, whether there may be asbestos in my building, uh, whether that is a home or a business, and, uh, and get some professional help to determine whether you have asbestos or not. And then when it is being disturbed, when there's a renovation happening or there's some teardown happening, uh, to make sure it's done in a safe way. And there are safe methods. We can protect ourselves from this hazard, And uh, but it's usually getting the help of uh, a professional who knows about how to, uh, to work safely in the removal of asbestos or around asbestos to ensure that it doesn't create that, that hazard, release those fibres into the air and, and, uh, and create that hazard.
2: So the number is 33% of workplace deaths are caused by asbestos exposure. That's ahead of even, you know, vehicle-related accidents, Jamie. And I'm curious if I'm an employee hearing this this morning, you know, maybe I should, should I be asking that question to my employer in terms of what they know about the building I'm working in?
4: Yes, and, and it's always, we, we encourage that from a worker's perspective. Always ask about the hazards that you face. And, and, and good employers, and, and I know that we've got lots of great employers in our province, um, they will know about the hazards. They have a responsibility to ensure workers know about those hazards. And so it is um, important to ask, especially if you're doing a job that might be a maintenance job or a, uh, a construction-type job where you are disturbing uh, building materials. That's that's the the time when when that exposure tends to happen. If you are in a work environment where, you know, if you're in an office environment where there isn't any renovations taking place, Um, It might be good to ask whether there's asbestos around, but if it isn't being disturbed, in most cases, um, it, it isn't creating a hazard for you.
0: All right. Well, Jamie Hall, thank you for this. We appreciate the awareness campaign and the opportunity to explain and discuss this a little bit more extensively with you. You're welcome anytime.
1: Thank you so much. Jamie Hall is the Chief Operating Officer of Safe Work Manitoba, the group behind the ad that is now running on 680 CJOB.
0: Let's now check the markets with Bryce Matliszewski of Endeavor Wealth Management. Good morning, Bryce. How are those global markets looking before the North American open?
7: Hey, good morning. The softer tone uh, that we're seeing globally uh, is coming out of Asia and uh, Europe, pulling back overnight, uh, and that was driven by some weaker economic data in China and worse than expected earnings uh, coming from Deutsche Bank.
1: Bank of Canada is expected to announce their rate decision today. What can we expect Well, it's
7: unlikely the Bank of Canada will raise rates. However, they will likely cut back on their stimulus bond purchase uh, program. So the goal here is that the Canadian economy must stand on its own at some point. So uh, this decision could put some pressure on our markets today, uh, but could give the loonie a bit of a small lift.
0: All right, GM, they had a better than expected quarter. Uh, What did we see? A little bit of uh, a bright light at the end of uh, a particular tunnel here, Bryce?
7: Absolutely. GM is such a strong company, uh, part of the big three here, and GM beat Wall Street expectations on both revenue and profit. They also increased their outlook for the rest of the year. Uh, they they have struggled a little bit with some of the uh, semiconductor chips, but uh, they're starting to get a handle on that, and uh, uh, that short- they indicated that shortage could get uh, better uh, to, to close out the year. All right. Pre-market futures? Pre-market futures are trading up slightly into the open. Uh, crude oil has retreated a bit at dollar thirty four to eighty three thirty one and our Canadian dollar is down twenty six hundredths of a cent to eighty forty five.
1: All right, Bryce Madlushki, thank you very much. Sir Bryce is with Endeavor Wealth Management, a division of IA securities, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Contact Bryce at two oh four five one five thirty four forty six. Talking carving pumpkins today and i recommend you don't make the same mistake i once made i guess when i was about 31 my me and uh, my, my girlfriend at the time decided to carve a pumpkin i had not done this since i was a kid so and neither had she so we you know we cut the hole in the top to pull out all the guts and i think we actually pulled out all the guts and then we went to put the lid back But we didn't cut it at an angle. We just cut straight down so the stupid lid wouldn't sit in the
0: pumpkin. You mean your engineering degree didn't come into effect there?
1: (laughs) No. No. No, it did not. We had to go Ah. buy another pumpkin and do it all over again. (laughs) So don't do that. We want to continue the difficult but important conversation that we're having this morning as we are still waiting to hear when NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman will be meeting with Winnipeg Jets GM Kevin Cheveldayoff and Florida Panthers coach Joel Quenneville to discuss the findings of a report that detailed how senior members of the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks mishandled sexual assault allegations against an assistant coach.
0: Both Cheveldayoff and Quenneville were with the Blackhawks 11 years ago when the allegations were first made. Cheveldayoff as assistant general manager, Quenneville as head coach. But it wasn't until two lawsuits were filed against the Blackhawks that the team decided to hire a law firm to conduct what they called an independent review. It was just released yesterday, and as ABC7's Karen Jordan explains, the fallout in Chicago was swift.
8: Stan Bowman is no longer the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks. His departure following the results of an investigation into the handling of allegations that one of the team's coaches, Bradley Aldrich, sexually assaulted two players shortly before the Stanley Cup 2010 championship. The report
1: is both disturbing and difficult to read.
8: The Blackhawks hired an attorney to investigate following a pair of lawsuits against the franchise. Former federal prosecutor Reed Shar talked to nearly 140 witnesses over four months. The
3: Blackhawks' own sexual harassment policy, which required investigation of all reports of sexual harassment to be conducted promptly and thoroughly, was violated.
8: Shar said in 2010, Aldridge sexually assaulted a then 20-year-old player, referred to as John Doe. That player informed management, but the investigation found that no action was taken until after the team won the Stanley Cup. Result of the investigation prompted the NHL to fine the Blackhawks $2 million.
1: It is clear that in 2010, the executives of this organization put team performance above all else.
8: After leaving the Blackhawks in 2010, Aldrich was later convicted of sexually assaulting a minor in 2013. The Blackhawks apologized to John Doe, who issued this statement. Although nothing can truly change the detriment to my life over the past decade because of the actions of one man inside the Blackhawks organization, I'm very grateful to have the truth be
2: recognized.
8: Karen Jordan, ABC 7 Eyewitness News.
2: So dayoff did say in a statement last night, quote, I have shared everything I know about the matter as part of my participation in Jenner and Block's investigation. That's reflected in today's investigation report. Further, I look forward to my discussion with Commissioner Bettman at the soonest possible date to continue to cooperate fully with the National Hockey League. And dayoff said that he would reserve further comment, Greg, until after that conversation is conducted.
0: Thank you, Loren. So much to unpack here. But for many, the report speaks for itself, and it hits all too close to home and real life. Life experience. Greg Haluli is a lawyer, former U.S. college hockey goalie and sexual assault survivor. He joins us now. Good morning, Greg. Hi. We always appreciate your insight and your time, uh, no matter what we're discussing, Greg. So uh, maybe you could share with us your immediate reaction to what went down yesterday and and what continues uh, and what will continue over the next several days and weeks, we suspect.
9: Well, it's interesting because when you read the report, I mean, the, the report is, it's, it's not good, right? It, it's, it's difficult stuff to read. At the same time, I, I think we have to be careful that when we look back in time, things that seem obvious now may, may have been a bit more difficult to, to understand in real time when they were happening. So I do have some sympathy for a guy like Kevin Sheveldayoff, who was not the most senior person in the room when the information came to light the same time, what happened was clearly bad enough that without any formal investigation at the end of the season, the team gave the the, the bad guy either the option of, of moving on or, or going under an investigation. So the people in that room knew something bad had happened. What is absolutely understood, and, and this is the problem of the report, is that nobody in that room on hearing the information – thought about the victim every person in that room thought about two things winning the stanley cup what was best for the team to win the stanley cup and what do i do to protect myself and advance my career do i speak up and say no we've got to do the right thing or do i keep my mouth shut protect my career and win a stanley cup and that's the problem
1: this report and the allegations within it have also sparked conversations about hockey culture, and the report into this 2010 team suggests, as you pointed out, winning was more important at the time. So do you think that mentality still exists now?
9: Well, I, I'm, I guarantee that mentality exists now. I, I guess the one thing we all hope for is that in 2021, enough of this stuff has happened where an executive knows, out of pure self-interest, that the right thing to do for my career and for the team is to come forward and do the right thing. It's not necessarily that doing the right thing is the right thing. It's that now the right thing to do out of self-interest is to do the right thing. If you know what I mean.
2: Greg, you're looking at this from a number. Well, like you wear a number of hats in this conversation. Of course, you. Graham James survivor, you're a sexual assault survivor, you're also a lawyer. So you can see this through so many lenses. And when you first spoke out against Graham James, you had to have that alleged label attached to you, uh, which we have thankfully since dropped b- based on what we know now. But when we look at this incident, we're using some of those same terms and people are saying, well, hang on, there hasn't been you know, a criminal court action or all the rest. Does that matter when we're having these conversations, when we have a detailed report like this with what's stated inside? Well, it-
9: it's interesting because people always fear a lawsuit, right the The concern is that if, if we don't use the word alleged, we 're potentially exposing ourselves to liability because nothing's been proven in court. My sincere hope is that that the the, the legal staff in media companies uh, will will just go away, or people will start ignoring these lawyers because look. The best thing that could happen is that you offend a sexual predator to the point where the sexual predator wants to sue you for not using the word alleged and everything gets opened up in court. Sexual predators are cowards. And, and the last thing they, they, they want is that. And so this, this whole notion of we've got to protect our butts and use the word alleged, it, it's enough already.
0: Greg, you know, Leah Hextall joined us an hour ago and, and she shared with us some painful memories of, of applying for jobs and being in the same room as certain people who had power over her future and the advances made toward her unwanted. And just talk about the power in that report. There's a a quote about, and Leah cited it, just the idea of, you know, I can make you or break you essentially. And if you want a career in the national hockey league, you need to keep silent on what's going on here. You experienced that firsthand, the, the willingness, the ability for these devils to play on your wildest imagination, your biggest fears, and to capitalize on being dream makers, essentially?
9: Well, that, that's exactly how it works. I mean, the power dynamic, and, and to call it a dynamic, is, is kind of a misnomer because one side has all of the power and the other side has absolutely none of the power. Uh, and, and that's how these dangerous situations are created. I mean, look, if I stood next to Graham James, you would say that I could you know, destroy Graham James within a minute and he would you know, be on the floor and have no, no physical power over me. It's the mental power that, that, that disarms the, the physical power. And when you, you look at the pictures of, of this predator, I mean, you read the report and you think he must be a, a physical monster who could destroy pro hockey players. He's just a little weasel. Uh, but it's the power that he had, or supposedly had, or, or m- even more importantly, the power that the players thought that he had over them mm-hmm. that allowed this to to fester as a potential problem. Uh, the reality is, in our world, we, we hope that powerful people are good people, but every once in a while you, you run into powerful people who are bad people, and then bad trumps good.
2: It speaks to Greg to the idea that you know, you had tweeted yesterday that if this had happened, if Graham James had done what he'd done now, maybe things would have been different. And you also talked about the idea that, you know, um, the team's first response was to close ranks in the Chicago case and may those who enabled Graham James someday face the same scrutiny that the the Blackhawks team is facing now. There's all of us, lots of us see things in life that we don't always react the way we should to, right? And, and you see something, you think, huh, that doesn't feel right, that doesn't look right, I should say something, and then we don't. So what do we learn again from this story that seems to see, keep perpetuating? Well, I, I think the message
9: here is that you have to trust your gut and you have to start thinking in any situation about what might be happening to a victim in the first place. The, 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 minute, the minute that anyone in the Blackhawks organization heard that one of their employees was improperly propositioning a player and that word leaked out, you have to... Assume that there is something to the story, and not only that, that there may be more to the story than you're hearing, because people don't fully disclose sexual disclosure in real time, uh, out of embarrassment, out of fear for career, uh, whatever. And I think the, the lesson here is you know, trust your gut and, and act on your instincts. Nobody acting in the best interests of the team and the people there around will ever fear scrutiny of their behavior if they're acting properly. And so that, that's the thing, especially in minor sports. I mean, here we have an incident in pro sports, but especially in minor sports where you're talking about kids and amateurs and, and the like, stick your nose in if something doesn't seem right. Because, again, everything, the sports are, are designed for the kids, not the adults involved in the sports. And no one involved for the right reasons will ever be upset about being questioned.
1: Greg Gilhooly, we'll have to leave it there, but thank you so much for joining us on this topic. We appreciate uh, all the time you give us when we speak to you.
9: Oh, you're welcome, and thanks for having me.
1: Greg Gilhooly is a lawyer, former U.S. college hockey goalie and sexual assault survivor and greg we have some uh, resources and phone numbers to share
0: yeah we acknowledge that uh, this conversation and the ones we've been having this morning may be triggering for some of our listeners so if you feel stronger knowing you're not alone in this darkness and maybe you'd like to reach out, and today is the day there are resources for you. Clinic.mb.ca. Clinic is spelt with a K. They have a sexual assault crisis program. Support regarding sexual assault available on their 24-hour, 7-day-a-week crisis line. 204-786-8631. 786-8631. 888 Two nine two seven five six five. We have those numbers handy. If you need them, please reach out. We would be more than honored to pass them along. Mackling,
1: McGarry, and McNabb. A reminder that we are giving away two tickets to celebrations dinner theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rock Stars. We're giving them away just after nine fifteen. Based on your texts about pump uh, about carving pumpkins, and I mentioned that. Ten years ago or so, uh, my girlfriend and I at the time... We cut the hole in the top of the pumpkin, but we did, we did it, like, perfectly straight down. So, of course, the lid wouldn't sit back in the pumpkin. It just fell into the pumpkin because <laughs> we we're dumb. So it, we, back to back to back, we had text from John who says, Secret pumpkin hack I learned three years ago. You cut the pumpkin on the bottom to clean it out. Uh-huh. Easier to clean and easier to light the candle. Right. And it avoids, completely avoids the angle issue on the, the top. The
0: things you've been doing wrong your entire life.
2: This is why I click on those life hack things that pop up in feeds all the time and then none of them are ever helpful. Like You're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. This is not a good life hack. John, this is a good pumpkin hack. I dig it.
1: And Noreen also said the same thing. Cut the hole in the bottom. And another person saying, if you do cut it on top, cut a notch on the pumpkin lid so it'll sit the same way as you cut the lid. It makes it
0: easier to place the top as well. Kind of makes it like a keyhole. People are so smart. Yeah. You know? S M R T. So I'm just smart. gonna start
2: texting John like whenever I have a problem with something. Can't get this jar to open, John. <laughs> <laughs> what should I do? What should I do? I let's, feel like you got a hack for this.
0: Let's put him in the uh, system as life hack John. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Unless his answer for everything is just cut a hole in the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, by the way, we have tickets to give away for comedian Jeremy Hotz, January twenty eighth, Club Region Event Center. Let's make a call at number six at 780 eight zero sixty eight six. Sixty-eight. Call number six for the Marquis de Sade Tour. 204-780-6868. Mm-hmm. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're talking about carving pumpkins today because Kildonan Place... Every year they do Carving for a Cause and they get various teams from across Winnipeg Media to participate and we each pick an organization that we want to support and it's all about raising funds for these organizations and uh, we need your likes on Facebook. We need you to go to their Facebook page and like our pumpkin which (laughs) we just smashed it. We're not going to be honest. We smashed it with a baseball bat because we have no artistic talent so we're not even going to try to compete with the others but uh, we're asking you to tell us a story as well, for a chance to win Celebrations Dinner Theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rock Stars Two tickets for that. And this is from, this is our winner, uh, hands down winner, Bonita. And Bonita says, this is the story about a nice, happy-looking pumpkin, because that's just how he did it back then.
2: We had carved, celebrated in 1976. My son was five and I was a young mother. We loved Halloween and pumpkins. Well, Halloween was over, and it was a time to let our sweet face pumpkin go. He wasn't too big, but I still had to dispose of him in one of those big brown Safeway bags, because that's the kind of bags we used back then for our garbage. I put sweet Face into the bag, neatly rolled up the top, went out, and put it on top of the small wooden garbage house we had back in the back lanes. They usually held two or three cans. Well, the garbage cans were already full, so I put the neatly rolled-up bag on top of the wood garbage house, thinking surely the garbage man... That's what we called them back then, would take our sweet face
0: pumpkin. I love that they've named it Sweet Face. <laughs> there are two men working the back lane, one on each side. I imagine their names to be maybe Jason and Jack. And the dra- driver, maybe his name was Pete. <laughs> anyway, Jason emptied our cans quickly, as they always did, then threw the cans back into the woodhouse, reached up and grabbed my sweet face pumpkin to throw it into the back of the truck. Feeling the weight of it, his curiosity got the best of him. He opened the bag and saw it was our pumpkin. He roughly ripped open the bag to have a look at our carved pumpkin. He calls over Jack, and I imagine the conversation went something like this. Jack, have a look. Doesn't this look great, Pete? Or doesn't this look like Pete, the driver, who's sitting there just driving along, all relaxed, smoking a cigarette because everybody smoked back then. As we bust our butts out here, Jack says, yeah, he sure does. So Jason says, well, this is what I'd like to do to
1: him. And he makes a big, dirty, gloved fist and hauls off and punches yeah! our sweet face pumpkin right in the face. Smash! Imagine my horror. <laughs> they both laugh hilariously as Jason flips the pumpkin and bag into the back of the truck and signals to set off the big crusher. As shocked as I was, I just never forgot that. I was sort of sort of horrified, but at the same time, it was hilarious. Have a good day, says Bonita. Take Bonita that, Pete! <laughs> Thank you very much for that, Bonita. You took us right back to the back lane in 1976 wow. with that super fun story. Congratulations! You win the tickets for Celebration's Dinner Theater. I guess those guys were... They were ahead of the curve. They could have been carving for a cause. Greg, join us in the smashing parade. They are like again.
2: Uh, put her in the roller decks, just like we have Hack, Hack Jack or Hack John. Sorry,
1: she can be part of your charity work. <laughs> That's right. Maybe she can recruit uh, Jack and Jason to join us next year.